Amen. Matthew chapter 1. Thank you, Mrs. Williams, for organizing that. And uh, I'd just like to say thank you to all our musicians. I know oftentimes the singers get all the credit, but you see, the musicians are a part of every single thing that's going on. Congregational uh, singing, the, the uh, offertory, the, anytime we do ha- handshaking, they're always uh, a part of these things. They don't always get recognition. Today's was especially nice. Uh, appreciate, uh, uh, of course, uh, those ladies part of our offertory today. And uh, thank you for all your time and effort. They put in a lot of time uh, beyond all the practice time of the singers and appreciate that so very much. Matthew chapter 1, of course, uh, we know this passage of Scripture well. Many of you are planning to read it again with your families this week. Uh, Some of you have traditions where Christmas Eve or Christmas morning you read through uh, these things and of course, uh, uh, to next week, we will be reading through the Christmas story again, uh, a part of Sunday school time, and the children able to be a part of that, and, and um, looking forward to Brother Shank, and, and uh, uh, really being our grandpa for the day, amen? Appreciate you, Brother Shank, and, uh, and teaching us the Word of God there during Sunday school. But today, I, I want you to focus here on Matthew chapter 1, because Matthew chapter 1 it gives us this story, this, this account of these things happening through the perspective of Joseph. See, Joseph, of course, is, was, was an earthly man. He was a sinful man. He was not, uh, he was not uh, cho- chosen, of course. He's a man. He wasn't chosen to carry the child. He was not any of that. And, and it wouldn't even be his bloodline. Of course, we understand that. But he was chosen as the father, the earthly father, to raise baby Jesus. It's important for a child to have a father. It's important for a child to have an active father, a part of that life. Amen? God designed it for a child to have a father and a mother both working together to raise a child. And I know the world is teaching us things that are different, but that's the way that God designed it, and he even did it for Jesus Christ. Jesus would would be raised to know how to be a man and know how to work in a carpenter's home. That was not an easy task. He was not in a palace. He was not uh, somewhere in some great authority. He came as a servant, and he knew how to work in a carpenter's home. And Joseph would raise him to do that. We see at the beginning of Matthew 1, we did not read it, but we see a lineage there, the lineage of Christ from Abraham to Jesus. And of course, this lineage in Matthew chapter 1 goes through the line of Joseph. It's Abraham to Joseph and then to Christ. We have a different lineage in Luke chapter 3 where it is the line of Mary. And God had promised that Jesus would come through that heritage, that lineage of David, and he does so on both Joseph and Mary's side. And uh, so this is what we get into Matthew chapter 1. And then, of course, he begins with verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. And he's talking about how the Holy Ghost came and made it possible for a virgin to, to, be, to have conception and, that, and that, uh, that miraculous conception there in Mary. And then Joseph, of course. Can you consider for a moment what Joseph might have been feeling through all this? 
You know, he's a man, and he's trying to understand these things. He's espoused, the Bible says, to Mary. Uh, in, in, the, in the Jewish uh, culture of this day, they were legally married at this point. What that means is it, when, when the Jews, when the, the Israel here, all this time period, there would be a, an arrangement made. And, of course, we understand that the father and the, and the husband and all that would have, have a, a talking there. The approval would be made, even sometimes dowry paid and all these things. But Joseph was promised Mary. And they would go through a year of betrothal where it was an engagement, but uh, it was a little bit different than our day of an engagement. They would be getting to know one another uh, and, and a lot better, and the man would be working to provide for the home. He would be acquiring a, a house or building a house. He would be uh, working to acquire animals or perhaps possessions that would be for that home so that when she came into the home, when, when they, the ceremony took place and the last step was made, that everything would be taken care of, that arrangements would be made. They didn't, they didn't go run off to Vegas or something and have Elvis marry them, right? It was a, it was a year long of preparation and that was their culture. And, they, and he would prepare for this. Think of that, him eagerly awaiting the final. I mean, you're going through that, right? And, and, and remember, remember some of you in here when you're engaged and you're waiting uh, for the day and you're waiting for that final thing? Wonderful. I don't want to go back to that period. I'm glad I'm married. Praise God. Amen. And uh, praise God for that. I don't want to go through that again, but praise the Lord for some of you. Amen. Some of you <clears throat> that are working through that. Hallelujah. And, uh, but consider the emotions at this time. We're not told whether Mary actually told Joseph or not. Mary, of course, uh, had an angel that came to her, Gabriel, and told her, uh, and we read that in Luke 1 there, that she would, be, um, she would have conception there of the Lord Jesus there. We don't see that she told Joseph, but we know that the angel came and told Joseph. I find it hard to believe that she wouldn't tell him. You know, maybe perhaps uh, she didn't tell him right away. We don't know these things. But we do know that the angel came to, to tell him. It was important that the angel came to tell him because it says he was thinking on these things. It's hard, the one that you love, the one you're anticipating for, uh, you want to believe them, you want to trust them. But this is a miracle. This is not common. This wouldn't happen any other time. This was a miracle. And so you can understand Joseph's going... Amen. I want to believe her, but I'm trying. Help me. You understand his emotions there. See, see what would happen here with, it, with this is this year betrothal would, go, would, would take place, and at the end of it would be the big celebration, would be the big wedding ceremony, right? It wouldn't just last for an hour or two. It would be even possibly a couple days or a week long, and it would be this big celebration with all the family and friends and the whole town coming together. And uh, we can see the wedding feast of Cana there in John 4, is it? Or, or there beginning the, of John there, of the, of the wedding. I believe it's two, actually. And the wedding there, we see it was a big thing. It was a big deal. And as they come together. But see, that whole, that whole process, it, 
it was really important, especially in the Jews, among the Israel, uh, Israelites, for the young lady to be pure, to be a virgin. That was important. That was especially important. God, is, God puts a, a priority on that. He says, you ought to be clean. You ought to be pure. You ought to come to marriage pure. He says that. God doesn't look down on fornication very, very well, very highly. He, he says, you ought not to be a part of that. And so for the Jews here, for her uh, at this celebration time, the whole purpose really for that is the consummation of the marriage there and evidence to be shown that she was a virgin and all of that. And that was a big thing. We don't think about all that stuff, but that was a big thing among the Jews. That was their culture. And evidence and all that would be shown for this and rejoicing in the fact that, uh, that all this had been done. And so you consider here, her big celebration is would now come to nothing. It would now be gone. His big year of anticipation, all that he's working for, for this celebration, and the joy that comes with everybody gathered around, all that would be gone. Because nobody, nobody's going to believe her. She's a young lady. She's likely a teenager of age there in our mind. And she's with child. And you can imagine the whispers. You can imagine the pointing as they're walking down the street to get together and, and, and folks just looking and whispering. You know, you understand that and what human nature does. Because even when, even when we see other people and, and God is giving them revival in their hearts, we don't fully comprehend it. We don't always fully believe it. We ought to, but we don't. And you can understand the struggle that's going on at this point. The Bible says in verse 19, Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. What does that mean? That means in the Jewish culture, oftentimes, this would be a, a citywide thing. It would be a public thing where she would be publicly chastised in front of people. Even stoned to death. And this was not something that Joseph was willing to let the woman he loved go through. He said, how can I do this? How, how, how am I going to... He wanted to do right. He was a just man. That means he had character and he wanted to do right, what was right by the law. But yet he didn't want to see her with great shame. He didn't want her to see her in front of everybody. He didn't want her to be hurt. Possibly, as, as I said, even stoned. And so he thought on these things. Remember what Luke teaches us. Luke chapter 1 says that Mary, after these things, after the angel came to her, she left for a while. Remember that? She went south to see her cousin Elizabeth. Remember that? That's, this is Luke chapter 1. And, and Elizabeth was also with child. And uh, Elizabeth would be the mother of John the Baptist, the second cousin to Jesus Christ. And, uh, and, of course, Elizabeth and Mary Cousins here. And she spends approximately three months down there uh, with her. And then she comes back home. When she comes back home, likely evidence is now being able to be seen that she's with child. Uh, be, people being able to notice, to see that she's with child. And Joseph is trying to figure out, what am I going to do? What am I going to do about this? Obviously, she's going to come home. And obviously, we've got to deal with this. And he's thinking on these things. Look at verse 20. 
It says, but while he thought on these things, behold, that's when the angel comes. See that? The angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David. Why did he say thou son of David? Maybe he's trying to get him to recall the scripture that he knows that the Savior would come through the lineage of David. When, when, when God speaks to my heart, he doesn't, he doesn't say, Behold, John, thou son of Frank. That doesn't, he doesn't talk to me that way. But he is talking to Joseph that way, and maybe he's trying to get him to remember that the Savior was promised to come through the lineage of David. Remember the scripture that you know that you've been taught. Your wife is not deceiving you. Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. Notice thy wife. Remember I said they were uh, in all legal uh, reasons here as, as the Jewish culture, they were legally married at this point. It was just that year of betrothal. And so if there was to be a separation at this point, there would have to be a legal documentation of divorce at this point, as, as similar to what Moses allowed in the Old Testament there. And he says here, for that, the, the end of verse 20, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Now I'd like to um, draw our attention to the next three verses here. And notice it says, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all of this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is being interpreted is God with us. Can you imagine the relief on Joseph at this point when he's learning the truth? Here an angel is revealing the truth to him. Can you imagine that, that relief? She is telling the truth. Whew. Man, the, the woman that I love is telling the truth, and this is of God, and this is not something shady. She's not been unfaithful. She's not done these things. And now, man, the, the relief on Joseph. You think about this. This is not a storybook. This is not pop-up figures in some fanciful thing uh, of a faraway place. This is real life, men and women here. And, and, and think of his emotions when he's realizing that this is real and this is truth. That didn't eliminate the fact that everybody else might not believe it, but he and his wife would know the truth from God. And they would go through it together. It's going to be a difficult road. But I want, to, I want you to focus now on the verse 22, 23 here. He's talking about the prophecy. He said it was written by the prophet saying, verse 23, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. This prophecy is found in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. This prophecy is around approximately 740 years old. That's how long uh, the, uh, before this time that that was given to the prophet Isaiah. And it was given to Isaiah directed towards an evil king of the day, King Ahaz. And Ahaz uh, had some opponents. Of course, Israel to the north. This is the divided kingdom. Ahaz is in Jerusalem there, the, the kingdom of Judah. 
and uh, the Israel, Israel to the north and even Syria above that are, are teaming together wanting to destroy him. And uh, he's uh, trying to figure out what to do. And God says, there, there's a sign. There's a sign. A virgin shall conceive and shall bear a son. And, you're, and you'll call him Emmanuel, which is meaning God with us. In other words, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deliver you salvation in the form of a child. And you're going to know it's from me. It is me, Emmanuel, God with us, because a virgin will conceive. It's going to be a miraculous conception. It's going to be a wonderful thing. And uh, as we focus on this fulfillment of prophecy here, please understand, it's a wonderful thing what we're talking about this scripture here when it says a virgin shall conceive. It's a wonderful, miraculous thing. Pastor John, do we got to talk about all this? Yes, we do. It's paramount. It, it hang, all the gospel hangs on the fact that Mary was a virgin. Her being a virgin made it possible that he would be God. Because if she was not, it would be the lineage, the, the, it would be the bloodline of a sinful man. And God is not sinful. God is holy. And that virgin birth is important. And we must understand this. It's been denied by so many people through the ages. Jesus Christ, the fact that he is God, has been denied so many times and in so many places in this world trying to justify, trying to understand, trying to eliminate the fact of this miracle that has taken place. Without the virgin birth, our faith would be in vain. John chapter 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. That's my Jesus. He's the Word. He's the Word. If Jesus was not born of a virgin, then he would have had an earthly father. And if he would have had an earthly father, then he'd be a sinner just like you and me. Verse 20, the end of it, says, For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. What does that mean? That means the Holy Ghost of God, the Spirit of God, made this to be. Don't think like a man. Don't think uh, as human flesh. It's not inappropriate. It's not wicked. It means that God made her be conceived. It means he, he, made a, he made a miracle take place in her womb. Praise God for that. Praise God for that. It's a miraculous thing. Isn't it neat here that I was thinking about that this week. Brother Horton, I was just thinking about it. God started the Old Testament with a miracle. He started the New Testament with a miracle. In the Old Testament, he, he began to speak and creation happened. That's a miracle of God. And in the New Testament, he made a miraculous conception take place. And he began what would be the New Testament or the new covenant with mankind through Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. I copied this down. This is a commentator here by the name of John Phillips. I, I like this man a lot, and I want to read what he said. The virgin birth of Christ is not an optional article of faith. It is essential to the gospel. If Jesus was not virgin born, he had a human father. If he had a human father, he was not God. If he was not God, the Bible is false. Jesus himself was deluded, and we have no adequate Savior from sin. If Jesus was not God manifest in the flesh, 
The life that was surrendered on the cross was only a human life and could never have taken away the sin of the world. As a man, he could only, he could only have given a life for a life. As God, he laid down an infinite life that was more than sufficient to redeem any number of finite lives. Amen? They shall call his name Emmanuel, quoted Matthew, God with us. That should settle the debate. The one who was brought forth into the world by the Virgin Mary was God. God manifest in the flesh. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Notice verse 23. It says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child. But the... He's getting to the the latter part of the verse. It says, and they shall call his name what? Emmanuel. Emmanuel. We know that in in Isaiah, if you were to look it up right now, it would be spelled with an I. And that's obviously Isaiah in the Old Testament written in Hebrew. And as it's translated to our English, it was given an I. But in the New Testament, it's Greek. As, as they spoke Greek in those days. And Matthew would have written this down in Greek. And as it's translated in our English, we get E. It's the same name. It means the same thing. It's different languages. Emmanuel means God with us. Praise the Lord for that. John chapter 1 again says, And the Word was made flesh and, we, and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory as of the only glory of the begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, John 1.14. What what is John saying there? He's saying, I know this. This man, Jesus, he is God, and I beheld his glory. I've touched him. I've seen him. I, I leaned on him at the supper table. He washed my feet. I was there. I know this is him, and I watched his miracles, and I watched him work, and I know that he is God. John would have been on that Mount of Transfiguration when Jesus was transfigured in all his glory, white as snow, and, and, uh, and, and Moses and Elijah appeared with him and talking with him. And then God, from a heavenly voice, spoke from above them. Behold, this is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. John said, I know I was there. I know he came and was, was flesh before me. Praise God. Philippians chapter 2 says, Who being in form of God, in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. God with us. Let's focus on the name this morning, Emmanuel. God with us. That's important. God always reveals himself to mankind through his names and he teaches us his character through his names all right many times in the old testament jehovah was was a, a name meant the eternal one the self-existent one that he was god almighty with that name jehovah but oftentimes he would add something to the name like jehovah jireh the self-existent one the the, the god almighty will provide jehovah, jehovah jireh that's what that means And here he's given us Emmanuel, God with us. But I wonder why he he quotes Isaiah and he says Emmanuel. But why is it that he says you're going to call him Jesus? 
You're going to call him Jesus. If his name is Emmanuel, why do we also have Jesus? God with us. I didn't understand this until I got digging a little bit and started studying, but the two names are related. The two names mean something very important, and they go hand in hand. This is amazing. Of course, it would, we know this would be the way because God wouldn't do anything else. He wouldn't, God is not the author of confusion. We understand that. And God lines these things up so we can understand Him more. And uh, I don't know where, there it is. Is that clicker in here? There it is, right there. All right. And uh, let's see. Emmanuel, God with us. Appreciate Brother Williams and uh, this week and him putting all this together for me. Now, Emmanuel clearly says God with us. But I want to focus on the name Jesus. Why is he going to be called Jesus? See, Jesus is Greek. That is the same name as Joshua in the Hebrew. Now think with me for a moment. Jesus is the Greek way of saying Joshua in the Hebrew. I'm going to explain it to you a minute, and then I'm going to show you on the screen to help us understand it. Okay? Joshua was of great significance, and there was a lot of history with that name. We know Joshua was the servant of Moses that, uh, of course, God used to bring the children of Israel from the wilderness into the promised land and had great victory in the promised land. Uh, and Joshua, there's a lot of history with that, but the name Joshua has some meaning as well. See, Joshua come, was actually started with the name Hosea or Hashua. Okay, maybe you've read in the Old Testament and you're reading along where the, his name was written down and sometimes we, we see where it's was Hosea or Hashua. And what that name means is the help. The help. Joshua means the help or Hosea uh, means the help. And what Moses did in Numbers chapter 13 was amazing. Moses, he, he adds the name of God to the name Hosea or Hosea. I'm, saying, it's, I'm getting it mixed up a little bit, but it's Hashua or Hosea is the same name. You can, you can say it either way there. Okay? Hashua, I'm going to say it that way. It's Joshua, but it's Hash, it started out as Hashua. And Moses adds the name of God to Hashua. All right? In other words, he puts J-E in front of Hashua. So it would be Jehashua. Now that's a hard name to say. Praise God, we didn't name our, name, or our kid Jehoshua, whatever it is. Amen. That's difficult to say. Okay, so Jehoshua, all right, um, would be condensed, I imagine, because it's difficult to say. You know how it is. I got four kids. I go through all their names, right? Jethro Tucker, Marshall, whatever your name is. Boy, get over here. You see daddy going, yo boy, get over here, right? And, and Jehoshua, Jehoshua was shortened to Joshua. And when you add the name of God with Ashua, which means the help, it means God is our help. God is our help, okay? And so Emmanuel is God with us, and Jesus, or Joshua, is God is our help. Let me show it to you on the screen if I've lost you here. Jesus, okay? Jesus equals Joshua. Jesus is Greek. Joshua is Hebrew, 
Okay? Joshua started out as Hosea or Hashua. All right? And then, okay, I've outed here, Hashua means the helper. The helper. So I'm wanting you to see it in your, uh, now, as, so hopefully this will be a help to you. J-E plus Hashua, God plus helper. God is our helper. There it is. Jehoshua equals Joshua. It was shortened to Joshua, God our helper. There it is. Okay. So Joshua equals Jesus. Skimming through now. Now, we have the full definition of his name in the scripture. Did you notice that? In verse 21, God gave us the definition of his name. For thou shalt call his name Jesus, verse 21, for he shall save his people from their sins. By saying God is our helper, we could also say, a Jew could also say, Jehovah is our salvation. God is our helper. He's come to help us. He's come to save us. Jesus, here the definition is saying, for he shall save his people from their sins. The idea here, now as I go, let me see what else I added here. Now I don't remember here. Amen. Jesus plus Emmanuel. So God our helper and God with us. Right? Now, we could say, well, that means two different things. But if you look at the prophecy of Isaiah and you go back to chapter 7 of Isaiah, the idea of God with us was for the whole purpose that he was coming to deliver them from the enemy. He was coming. God himself was coming to deliver the people, to save the people from their destruction. You with me now? Emmanuel says God with us, but it was the whole purpose, the context of Isaiah 7 was God would come, the virgin would conceive and God would become flesh. That word often, you might hear the word incarnate. That means God is flesh. God would become flesh to save his people. And that's what Jesus means. God is our helper. God is our salvation. Jesus plus Emmanuel. God our helper is with us. Jesus is our salvation. That's what these names mean. Praise God for that. Praise God that God did come in the flesh. He left his glory. He left heaven being circled around with all the angels shouting his name, singing glory, 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 and holy, holy, holy. And, and, and worshiping him and, and, and crying out to him. We see a glimpse of that in Revelation 4 and 5 as he's being worshiped around his throne. He left that and took the form of a servant. And not just any old man, a servant. He was born in a stable. If you have ever been over to the east and you know Israel, it's very rocky. It's very, uh, 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 Palestine, Israel, all that is very rocky. It's stony ground, okay? And, it, and it was, it's hilly. It's in the mountains. He wasn't born in some wooden structure that was all cute looking that we set out in our front lawn. He was born in a cave. That's what they used. That's where, that's where they would find shelter in the heat of the day. The shepherd and the sheep would go into these caves and find coolness in the heat of the day. He was born in a cave that was used as a shelter what it was and and he was born alone because nobody would give him a room to stay there was no room in the inn we were told in luke chapter 2 
We understand these things. He came as a servant. God, our helper, is with us. Jehovah, our salvation, has come. As I said, God reveals himself to us through his names often. Now, here's our application here. Let's bring it all down to this. God with us. Emmanuel. Say it with me. Ready? Emmanuel. God with us. You know what that means? It means God with you. That's what that means. Well, wait a minute. I didn't live 2,000 years ago. He never left us. Well, well, yeah, he did. He ascended up on the Mount of Olives. You know why he ascended? He told his disciples, I must go so that the comforter would come. The Spirit of the Holy, the Holy Spirit of God would come and dwell with you and be on earth. God with us, Emmanuel. In the Old Testament, it was Emmanuel. God is our uh, God is with us to be our helper. In the New Testament, it's Emmanuel. Jesus Christ has come to save you from your sin. And now today in 2022, almost 2023, it's Emmanuel, God with us right now this morning. Praise the Lord for it. Now in this room, this size, and all these folks that are in this room, for sure it is is certain there's somebody in here that is not saved this morning. It's likely in this size of people, somebody this morning is not saved. What are you talking about, preacher? I'm talking about being a child of God, born again, where you're not just alive physically, but you're alive spiritually because you put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ to be your Savior. I'm not talking about coming to church because Grandma brought you. I'm not talking about coming to church because it was a good thing to do around Christmas time. I'm talking about that one time, that moment when you realized that your sin Yes, that's right, your sin, my sin, would take us to hell. And Jesus said, I don't want you to go there. I don't want you to go there. And you said, Lord, you died on the cross to take my place. And not only did you die, you're not a dead God, but you rose from the grave and you conquered death. And you ascended on the right hand of the Father to be an intercessor for me. Gave me the Holy Spirit of God. And We get the Holy Spirit of God, of course, when we get saved, but you say, Lord Jesus, I believe you did that. And you did that for me, God with us. Why? To be my helper, to be my salvation, to save me from my sin and my one track to hell because I couldn't do it by myself. I couldn't do it by myself. And I wonder this morning, there might be somebody in here Maybe you've been to church a long, long time. You know, even in church, church families that have been a part of church a long, long time, there are people in those families that are unsaved. Where they've heard the reading of the Word of God so many times in their home and in Sunday school and in church. And there's some folks in here that might know that you're unsaved. You might know that. What's the message today? The message is Emmanuel. God is with us. You know why he's with us? To save you from your sin. To save your soul. This morning, I'm pleading with you. Would you get saved today? Would you receive Christ as your Savior? Because God is with us. Just as he was prophesied about in, in, in Isaiah chapter 7 to King Ahaz. Hey, 
I'm not leaving you alone. You're not going to die in your sin. God is with us. Emmanuel. Praise God. Hallelujah. I wonder, maybe there's somebody this morning, you're not, you've not been churched. You're not, you're not grown up in church. You're not, you don't know the scripture. You're not familiar with all these things. Can I tell you what? God is with us for you as well. Amen? God is with us for you that you can be saved this morning. Just because you haven't heard it a bunch of times and just because this might be the first time you've ever heard the word of God preached. Let me tell you, it's not about Shenandoah Bible Baptist Church. It's about what God is saying to us this morning right out of his holy scriptures. That thou can be saved if you want to be saved. I wonder, unbeliever this morning, those that know they're unsaved, doesn't matter church or no church or where we've been or what we've done or our background, all of that doesn't matter. The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We're not talking about the waters of baptism. We're not talking about putting money in an offering plate. We're not talking about singing songs in church. We're not talking about having your Bible open or, or how close you are to a pastoral staff member or, or who invited you. We're talking about your personal decision to accept Jesus as your Savior. There's a difference between knowing the truth and receiving the truth. There's a difference. Let me say that again. There's a difference between knowing the truth and receiving the truth. Are you saved? Do you know Jesus as your personal Savior? In just a few moments, I'm going to open up an invitation. What is that? It's, it's a time that I invite you to come meet with God. These steps right here will act as an altar as we come before a holy God. There will be pastoral staff members here with Bibles. There will be some ladies here with Bibles as well. And maybe you need somebody to pray with. Or maybe you just need to know more about salvation. You want to get saved, but you don't know exactly how. It's simple. It's a free gift. It's easy. And God says, here it is. And let somebody show you this morning. Let somebody show you from the Word of God. How about this morning... Christian, this message is not just for unbelievers, it's for us. God with us. Amen? God with us. He didn't leave us alone. He didn't ascend into heaven and say, you're on your own for the next 2,000 years or however many more years after that. He said, I'm sending you my spirit to dwell within you. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6 that I'm the temple of the Holy Ghost. Right here, that he dwells within me. And I wonder this morning, am I living like I believe that? That God is with me. Do I live like I believe that this morning? Some in here have heavy, heavy burdens this Christmas season. Some in here continually are struggling with a sin that they can't get victory over. Some of you in here are struggling because you you feel like you have no hope with your family situation or maybe your work situation. There are some in here that might even have a a time of depression and you're contemplating taking action because there, there is no hope for your life. Can I tell you this morning, Emmanuel, God is our help and he's with us this morning. And he's here to help you. He's here to help you. Would you come? Would you come? Would you come?
A holy God lives within us. But it's your choice. It's your choice about that relationship. If you're unsaved, it is your choice to have a relationship. God says it's, we, we have a choice. For whosoever shall call. It doesn't say you're made to call. It says you can call if you choose. But if you're saved this morning, it's even your choice to live with a thriving relationship with the Holy Spirit of God and know Him more and grow closer to Him every single day. Can I tell you about something? Last night, what a joy it was. I was going over my message. It was later in the evening. The children have gone to bed, and I'm just going over my message, and I'm, I'm just asking the Lord to use it. I'm putting it fresh in my mind and in my heart for what I was going to preach today. And I'm going over it, and I, I started praying. I said, just thanking the Lord for God with us. And I was, I was talking to the Holy Spirit, and I said, thank you for being with me, and thank you for doing this life with me. Because I don't, I'm not always the easiest guy to be with. <laughs> you understand? I'm a sinner. And the Holy Spirit of God knows what goes through this mind right here. And he knows what comes out this mouth right here. And he knows my intentions. He knows my attitude. And I have to confess my sin regularly. And I said, Holy Spirit of God, forgive me when I grieve you. But thank you for being with me every single day. Thank you that I don't have to do this life alone. And I was just, I was just praying and asking God for revival, that I would be revived again. That I would have a spirit of thanksgiving to my God for being with me. Praise God. Amen. God with us. How's your relationship with the Lord this morning? Are you saved? And are you right with God? Are you saved? And are you right? How are you this morning? You know this December I've been preaching all revival this whole month. Because that's what God's put on my heart. And this thought this morning is again, God with us. He's here to help us. Give us revival, Lord, at Shenandoah Bible Baptist Church. But first give it revival right here in my own heart that I would be right with my God and I would be on my knees having a time with the Lord. Woo! Man, I got up out of all my knees last night. I was having a great time wiping the tears away from my eyes and I was all, I was all, man, just floating around in the bedroom. I'm telling you, I was just... I felt like I was hovering, and I just was singing praises, and I was having a great old time. Why? Because I'd been with God. Now, he's always with me, but I don't always recognize it. And I had been with him. I asked him for a, a portion of that this morning, for a double portion of that this morning, so that I could feel his presence about me while I was preaching, so I could have the power from God this morning. I wonder, how about you? How about you this morning? Come on now. I open up invitation time. Would you bow with me now and let us meet with God today, please? Lord, we love you and we thank you for being God with us. Thank you for your presence right here in this place this morning. God, I pray for that one, maybe those two or three that need to get saved this morning. Lord, there's somebody here today that is not sure if they died today they would go to heaven. They don't know about heaven and hell. They don't understand, Lord, that, that uh, uh, they need Jesus to be their Savior. But they don't want to go to hell. They want to be saved. They want heaven. And God, I pray, please, that you would work on their heart, give them courage to come forward, to get up and move to the, towards the, the, the front of the auditorium and, and, and receive Christ as their Savior. Not that motion's what saves us, but God, that they would come and get answers from the Word of God and be shown how it is that I, they could be saved. 
And Lord, I pray that, that, that those of us in here that are saved this morning, that we remember God with us, that this is real, that the Holy Spirit of God dwells within us, that we're the temple of Him, and God, that we would live according to that. God, give us a spirit of revival this morning as we think of this, this thought this morning. Emmanuel, God with us. And why is he with us? To help us. Maybe to save us this morning. And maybe to save us from our sin of a lifetime of, of sin after, after we get saved, Lord. But maybe, maybe we need some help with something this morning. And I pray, God, that you would use this invitation for your glory and for the salvation of many. God, salvation this morning and maybe a change of life. Help us, please. 